If you don't love your children and you're not willing to pay the price for your children of submission to God in loving them and taking care of them, one day, if you do it, they'll rise up and say, "What blessed is my mother and my father because you've taken care of them. They've seen the example. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We're glad you've joined us as Raul returns to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for a look at God's original plan for marriage. In today's society, the parameters of a marital relationship are up for debate, and a lifetime commitment is considered optional. But as you stay with us today, you'll be shown how to establish your marriage in the unchanging, perfect will of God. Join us in Genesis chapter 2 for the lesson, Marriage God's Way. Here's Raul Reese. When Jesus not only gave the law of God to the Pharisees and the scribes, they were abusing it. So when you go back to the book of Genesis, God speaks about the first marriage in the Garden of Eden. And then when Moses came along, Moses was given instructions about marriage and divorce. And the only reason in the Old Testament that people were allowed to divorce for any cause is because what was going on is that people were not only getting rid of their wives, they had these laws, they were kind of weird laws. Like if your wife, for example, puts too much salt in your food, you say, I write her a divorce contract and I get rid of her. I mean, this kind of laws they had. And the Pharisees were the self-righteous, you see, and they wanted to put people in bondage. So I always like to take people back to the beginning so that we can understand what is God's model of marriage. So let's begin by reading chapter 2 of Genesis, beginning at verse 18. He says this. He says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that men should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now the first thing that we see here is God is establishing in the Garden of Eden. There's no woman yet, but in chapter 1, he spoke about woman and man. So already God, in his mind and heart, he already not only wanted to make men and women to come together, but here Adam was created first. He became in charge of the Garden of Eden by having the power to name every animal by name. We'll see it in a moment. And then God somehow saw that Adam not only was in the Garden of Eden, but he loved it, but God saw the emptiness and the loneliness of Adam. So what did God do? God creates a woman for him. And what, that's what we're going to see in a moment here. Look at verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. So God gave him the authority to name every animal. So he was pretty intelligent when you think about Adam. Naming every animal, giving them a name. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, 
all the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found, notice, a helper comparable to him. Now, one of the things about Genesis chapter 1, God makes it very clear that it was a woman and a man that were married, not two males or two females. Very important. This is even before the law of God. The world today has blinded and has not only lied to people, but it's become acceptable for two women or two men to come together and join themselves in marriage, which is not what God teaches in the Word of God. A lot of young people are very confused today. And the reason is because of the older crowds that have been not only liberal in teaching that it's okay to be a homosexual or a lesbian. And if you're not a homosexual or lesbian, then you're a fornicator because what happens if you're a guy or a girl, you're not married and you're having relationships, you know, as a girl with a man or a man with a girl, you are in fornication. That's sin too. God speaks about waiting upon him. And then he, like in the garden, what did he do? He brought the woman to the man. God has a choice for you already. What you got to do is you got to be obedient and wait upon the Lord so that you don't make any mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. We make mistakes. Another problem that happens here, look again, verse 21. And then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. There's really no word in Hebrew for ribs, so he took the woman from the closest part of men's heart, not from the top of his head or not from the bottom of his feet. He took her right from the side of men. Notice that because God loved women and God loved men. And then it says this. This is amazing here. He says, and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. And then the rib, which the Lord God had made or taken from man, he made into, notice singular, a woman. Isha in the Hebrew. Ish is in the Hebrew for men. It doesn't say anything about two women or two men. A male and a female. The world today has become very, very confused. And we're confusing a lot of people. The situation within the church, we cannot compromise and say that homosexuality or lesbianism or fornication, it's okay to adapt to it or to accept it into the church. No, the Bible condemns it. It makes it guilty. The Bible says that such people, liars among all these, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. That's why we come to Jesus Christ and we become born again of the Holy Spirit. God has given us the freedom of choice. Nobody is forced to become a homosexual or a lesbian or a fornicator or a liar or a whoremonger, whatever the sin may be. We make the choice. We make the choice, and when we make the choice, then we pay the penalty. For whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Very clear. So God gives the principle and the example at the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And through Genesis, as you move through the Old Testament, 
and you get to the New Testament, Jesus points to Genesis chapter 2 concerning marriage to these Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees, and say, you guys are a bunch of religious people. This was not from the beginning. In the beginning, one man, one woman, and it was to come together and become husband and wife. Now, this is the situation that's real hard. Because when a person gets married, and let's say my wife and I, I got married when I was a non-believer. She was a believer, and she got married to me, and then she reaped the consequences of our sin together. Four and a half years, the verbal, the physical abuse, the adultery outside of the marriage, myself. And yet, her being faithful to the Lord, when she saw what I was doing, she gave her life back to the Lord, and then she became the spiritual leader of my home to my children. And when I came to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I took the leadership of my home. And how does that come about? You don't lord over your family. You start out by praying with your wife, by spending time with your wife, praying with your children, becoming a spiritual leader of the home to open the scriptures and try to live according to God's word so God can bless the home. And God can bless the man and the woman. If your children do not see you as a husband or as a father or mother in submission to Christ, you think they're going to submit? No way. And that's why a lot of times when they come to church here, they'll be in Sunday school or in grammar school classes or junior high or high school. As they're hearing the word of God and they're noticing that this is not what my parents are doing in the home, they become angry, they become confused because their parents are living a double standard of life. And we as parents are responsible, even as grandparents, we're responsible for our grandchildren. They have to see holiness unto the Lord. There is too much compromise in the church today among believers. And the church has become just like the world. That's why the world doesn't respect the church. Your friends, they watch what you do. When you take the vow as a Christian before God, And when you came to Christ from the world, all things become brand new. I'm talking to those in the church, to Christians, that if you got married in the world, then you came to Christ, no problem at all. But now that you're in Christ Jesus, according to the word of God, one husband, one wife. And then we'll talk later on so we don't get confused about divorce. But this morning, I want to make sure we understand what the scripture says about marriage. Let's go back now and see verse 22 again. He says, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman, and he brought her unto the man. Imagine what it must have been like after being in the Garden of Eden. Never seen a woman. All of a sudden, you wake up out of this major operation God has done on your body, and then all of a sudden, here's this beautiful woman. You think Adam was happy? I think he was very happy. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We're glad to have Raul here in the studio with us today to talk just a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount and his brand new book on the subject, Sermon of Sermons, that we've been highlighting. Raul, if you were to describe the Sermon on the Mount to someone that's totally unfamiliar with the Bible, what would you say about it? When you look at the three chapters that he's talking about, it's the Christian life. Mm. If you didn't have the Sermon on the Mount, what could you do? 
He brings in the Old Testament with the New Testament to show law and grace. For me, it's been a real blessing, especially when I got to chapter 7, where he says, call me Lord, and you know, Master, and all these things. And he said, you know, I never knew you. And I think that people, when they read this sermon, it's going to bring conviction to them. So they can really not only read it, but sit back and look at it and then say, okay, Lord, how do I feed on this? Is there one particular life lesson that you see in the Sermon on the Mount that stands out, or is it really the whole thing that applies to you? The whole thing. Because you can't just like one. It's the whole thing is the most perfect thing for a Christian in order to convict themselves before God and to grow in Christ. Well, we've talked a lot about the book, Sermon of Sermons. What is your goal for those who read this book about the Sermon on the Mount? Well, I expect anyone to read it to be convicted, but at the same time to grow. Uh, it could be a teenager. It's real simple. A teenager and then a grown-up, of course. But I hope that when they read it, something happens. We're just, it's not a book. It's something that will minister to their hearts. Well, thank you, Raul. We are excited about the book's release and have no doubt that people will be spiritually blessed and will grow in their faith, as you said. Remember, to get more information and to order, just visit somebodylovesyou.com. Now let's return to more of today's lesson taken from the Sermon on the Mount. He says, And Adam said, This is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Isha, woman. Because she was taken out of men. Notice what it says. She was taken out of men. And so Isha, the woman, was given to the man, not only to be his wife, but to become what? His companion. Because when Adam saw Eve, he was so excited that now God had given someone like him, not like the animal kingdom, someone that he could talk to. Someone that he could touch. And here in Genesis chapter 2, what is he doing? He's establishing the foundation. What is your foundation like concerning the word of God in your marriage? God took that rib from the closest part of men's heart. He made a woman. And then he says this, verse 23. He says, And Adam said, This is not bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of men. Therefore, here it is. A man shall leave his mommy and his daddy. Okay? I want to make sure you understand it, guys. Okay? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. And notice, shall be glued. Glued to who? To his wife. Notice, and they shall become one flesh. Not two people. One flesh under the same roof. Today, people are independent. They do their own thing. And what's going to happen is you sow and you're going to reap in the future with your family. When someone in a home, a husband or wife, sins, it's not only he The one that sinned, that gets hurt. It's the wife, the children, your friends. It goes all the way down like dominoes. And that's why we really have to examine our hearts before the Lord. If God said it, then I need to be obedient to what He says. And we're going to see later on some of the things that God gives to each one of us individually uh, for separation, divorce. We're going to be talking about that. But look again what He says, verse 24. He says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be glued unto his wife. The two shall become one flesh. And they were both naked. Notice there's no sin yet. 
the men and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. No sin. It must have been quite a thing walking in the Garden of Eden with the presence of God. And that's why in chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, because Satan deceived the woman, and then the man was deceived by the woman, they partook of the fruit, and then their eyes were opened. And the first thing that God did, because they were hiding from the presence of God, the Lord was calling out, Adam, where are you? Not in rebuke, not in punishment, but with a broken heart. Adam, where are you? He knew, but he wanted men to be honest and say, Lord, I sinned against you. Where are you? And then once they came out and talked to God, remember they were hiding, and God killed an animal, first atonement, and covered the woman and the men. But from that point on, sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve were our first parents. They sinned. And this is the reason that God sent His only begotten Son into the world to die for the sins of the world so that God can make a separation between the world and between the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Even in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul the Apostle writes about marriage, and by the way, Genesis chapter 2, it's quoted in Matthew, in Mark, and almost every one of the New Testaments he has it there. And what happens here is that once you come to that place, like the Lord said, and you see that here's a marriage together by the Lord Jesus Christ, and then there's disobedience on one side of the marriage and on the other side, then how can you truly come together like Adam and Eve when they sin against God? So God does what? He redeems them. But he says this to them, from now on until the day you die, number one, you're going to die. You could have lived forever. He says, the woman is going to have pain having children. You're going to have pain in labor. And then I think of how people today, they don't even fear God concerning the scriptures. When God has put it right before our eyes. In the book of Malachi, check this out, Malachi chapter 2.16. This is what God says. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. For it covers one's garment with violence, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously with your wife. With your wife. Treacherously. To me, it's really important that parents know not only Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. But God has warned us through the whole scriptures concerning marriage. Marriage is sacred before God. There's so many issues. But yet God gives us the solution to the problems as we read through the scriptures. And one of the solutions is this, pray and fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, read it. To pray and fast. Because if you don't pray and fast, how are you going to know the will of God in your life? This is why in the book of Matthew also, chapter 24, 37 through 39, Jesus speaking about his coming, he said this, but as in the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, he says, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be at the coming of the Son of Man. We're living in the last days. 
Divorce has caught up with the world in the church. Imagine how the heart of God must feel. We are the bride of Christ. He's our husband. Imagine when a Christian breaks fellowship with God. The bride breaks fellowship with the husband. The Holy Spirit gets grieved. There's pain. God wants us to be glued to him fully, completely. He wants us to be faithful, not unfaithful to him. And yet, why is it that so many husbands and wives are unfaithful to themselves and unfaithful to God? God doesn't want you to do that. God wants you to be honest. God wants you to be not only honest, but he wants you to be repentant. He wants you to be humble. And he wants you to be communicating with your wife or your husband. To come to the place where the issue is going to be settled. And the reason is going to be settled, number one, because of God. And number two, because of our children or our family. It has to come to an end. Because if not, you're going to face major, major problems. Another issue that happens is we're not obedient to the word of God. We don't read. We don't pray. So we have nothing to sustain us. Listen to what Joshua said. Chapter 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Good success. And then Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. Oh how happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But as delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. That's those that are obedient to the word of God. People are not only disobedient to God's word, but they're disobedient to the commands of God given in his word. We need to return back to the Lord in our marriages. If you call yourself a Christian and you better read your Bible, you better know what you believe, and you better know what God says in his word so that you do not have excuses for what you're doing. Very important. Because the next verse, Galatians chapter 6, 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows into his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows by the Spirit will reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. The household of faith. The problem, again, is separating, divorcing, committing adultery, and all these other issues like money that are separating married people fully, completely. There's no love but hate. And that cannot happen if we're going to be true church or the true bride of Jesus Christ. Why? Because your family's watching and the world's watching. So we need not to be abusers. We need to do what? We need to submit. Submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my marriage. 
between a husband and between a wife and my children are so important. In a world with widely shifting views on marriage, it's easy to justify compromises. But we hope that today's teaching has shed light on your relationship with your spouse from a biblical perspective. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear the full lesson with all of Raul's teaching, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you a complete copy for a donation of $5 or more. Just ask for Raul's message titled Marriage God's Way. We'd also like to equip you with a resource to help you stand firm as Jesus' disciple. Rawls' new book titled Sermon of Sermons takes an in-depth look at Jesus' practical instructions for honoring the Lord and everything from your relationships to your finances. We think you'll find these insights extremely helpful in ordering your life to glorify God. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' new book titled Sermon of Sermons. We'll send your copy for the introductory rate of just $12 plus shipping and handling. Once again, that's 800-634-9165. Or you can order by writing us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We'd like to remind you that every contribution you make is tax-deductible and provides the material support we need to proclaim the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Next time, as we continue our study of Jesus' practical guidance in His Sermon on the Mount, we'll explore more of how to honor God in our marriages as we think about the lifelong relationships He's designed for husbands and wives. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.